Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Social Contract, a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Allman, and joining me is my co-host, Alex Lapp. Alex, what's up, man? Not too much, Mike, but uh, I'm tired of group hug yeah? and politics and just being nice and good and having yeah. fun. Let's, yeah. uh, let's get mean. I want to get mean. Yeah, the, wor- the world's terrible, so let's be terrible <laughs> with it. Ah! Uh, yeah, we're, we're leaning into the, uh, the mean cards today for... Really, uh, like just a thousand different reasons. I mean, we can talk as much as we want to about our, you know, type of fun. And we like that kind of fun because we know what the other side of it is. So let's talk about the other side of it here. Right. Because, man, magic, magic be mean. Yeah. uh, Competitive (laughs) magic and competitive CDH. I mean, the the goal is to win. There's no social contract in in these competitive formats. So the idea of mean for them, is really just highly effective. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We have uh, this very handy list from Mm -hmm. my company, EDH Rec, the top 100 saltiest cards. Um, And the card's salt score is based on over 600,000 people who voted uh, last year on on these cards. So what do you think? I I, I do want to get into the idea of the salt score. Yeah. And why that also kind of affiliates with what we're talking about here. Because you brought up CDH and competitive where it's like, no, the goal is to win. Yeah. So it's about raw efficiency as opposed to everything else, right? Right. And the salt salt score is based off this idea of when this card is played, it's just, oh, I hate that card. So hating a card doesn't necessarily mean that it's really efficient. It's the kind of stuff that it does... That makes That's you hate true. It. Maybe, yeah. maybe it wins the game. Maybe, but there is absolutely a correlation between the two. Usually, no one really gets mad at somebody because they played a five mana two two that doesn't do anything, right? It's these cards that are extremely efficient or extremely powerful right. that also make the game miserable. <laughs> right. I think what you're saying about this distinction is important because a lot of the cards we're talking about are not competitive cards. They're just right. casual cards that are not good enough for competitive, but they're super mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we are going to talk about some cards that if you've played CDH, you probably recognize most of them. Yep. Um, I know that some of the top CDH stacks pieces are going to be in here. I know that Some of the top CDH commanders are going to be in here. Um, And there's a reason for that. And that's because they're trying to win over there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, efficiency, making it happen, and what social contract. Which, if that's the game that you're playing and everybody's aware of that, Mm -hmm. great. Have fun. Go for it. Uh, If it's not, uh, these are the uh, mean cards. And I don't know. Do we want to to take on the persona of, of the people that want to play these cards because yeah let's do this or is this more of a an ex, a thought experiment let's talk about some of these cards i don't really know where well, we're at i mean i was thinking that we could take on the persona but that moment kind of passed right like you, you would have to start the episode oh no i'm, I'm talking about from now on oh. like this is this is kind of like our disclaimer okay 
and then we go into it. I'm totally fine with role-playing the rest of this episode. That's hot. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> let's go ahead and start with two of our, uh, well, we, we've already talked about these cards in a previous episode. Yeah. Everybody knows yeah. these. Um, the two top saltiest commanders, and these are uh-huh. not CEDH level commanders. These are casual no, commanders, not. and they're mean. Uh, that's Vornclex and Jingataxius. Yeah. Uh, goodness gracious. I don't think there's a single person who plays the game who doesn't know these, but let's read them anyway. Vornclex, yep. the Voice of Hunger, is a 6GG 7-6 legendary creature Praetor with Trample. Whenever you tap a land, add one mana of any type that land produced. And whenever an opponent taps a land for mana, that land doesn't untap during that controller's next untap step. I don't want to belabor this one very much because we we have talked about this card in particular on another uh, Annoying Cards episode. But this bears repeating. To me, this is one of the meanest cards in our format because... It punishes everybody, but most of all, it punishes the person who does what needs to be done and spot removes it. Yep. Because that person's not going to get that mana back. And to me, that's just, oof. Oh my God. It's awful. It's truly backbreaking. You basically have to all, at, at that time, everybody at the table has to be like, hey, listen, like I'm, I can spot remove this, but uh, at, at great cost to myself. And you'll have to strike some sort of deal. Um, again, I don't want to talk about it too much because we've we've hit these before. But Mike, tell me about Jingataxius. Yeah, I love Vorniclex, Voice of Hunger. I love to it, disable people from being able to play the game that they love. And another way to do that is Jingataxius, Core Augur, 8 generic, blue, blue, for a 5-4 legendary creature, Praetor with Flash. The beginning of your end step, draw seven cards. I love drawing cards. Each opponent's maximum hand size is reduced oh, by he's, seven. He's getting into it. I here. love my opponents not having cards. Ah, oh, the best part of magic, ruining people's day. You can tell Mike's never like met a spike. <laughs> this is just this is just how I feel. It's I've just, met spikes. It's, it's how it it's is. Just that normally normally when I meet a spike, they're smiling, yeah. and I say, "How can you do this? How how do you sleep at night?" And they say through. They're packs upon packs of winnings. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so Jenga Taxis yeah. is also just completely brutal. Um, and the big reason why is because Flash. Uh, you can Flash yeah. this in at the end of your opponent's main phase, their second main phase. And uh-huh. they basically, unless they counterspell it or spot remove it right then, and it's unlikely that they've been holding that mana up, uh, they're going to discard their whole hand. Which, yeah, it's 10 mana, but, oh my god. Discarding your whole hand and not drawing any cards to replace it. If, unless you have a super strong board presence, you kind yeah. of have already lost. Yeah, there's there there are a few times that you can recover from a Jinkataxius yeah. being effective. Vorniclex, sometimes... Well, if you're not the but, one that has to remove it, your or if you make right. a deal with everybody as well, something along those right. lines, usually okay. Uh, but yes, it, it, the point is these are extremely oppressive. They are very powerful cards, and they're also on this scale for a very, very specific reason. They disable you from being able to play the game of Magic effectively right. because they take away the resources you normally would. Um, one that I particularly hate, 
and kind of leans into these two. We're going to go away from the Predators. I'm really happy that they're not coming back anytime soon. Cred. Uh, <laughs> timing on this. Secret layer release. Cool. Um, Secret gonna... layer alert. Yeah. Uh, speaking of alarms, how about send triplets? Oh because this is... I don't know it's my I don't know if it's my least favorite commander. They have quite the reputation. It's the one that like I am the most like scared of when it hits the table, I think. Yeah. Because Send Triplets is one of those uh cards that if somebody plays it as their commander, they're going to have a deck that just brutalizes you. Mm-hmm. Whether they're trying like and it, it's not ex- it's not exactly going to be the fastest deck ever. It's just going to be the most obnoxious one in my history. Uh, Send Triplets is a two white, blue, black for a 3-3 legendary artifact creature, human wizard. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose target opponent. This turn, that player can't play spells or abilities and plays with their car- or their hand revealed. You can play cards from that player's hand this turn. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is... This is... It's ridiculous. We can talk about, we're going to talk about uh, taking control of an opponent, but this is somehow equally as strong, yet not the same effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big reason for that is that this is going to happen on every single one of your turns. But yep. not only that, but it's a trigger. So you can cause that trigger to trigger multiple times and lock out basically any interaction that's going to happen on your turn while also pilfering. Sure cards from people's hands i mean the first thing you would do right is is you're going to start is you're going to take a land out of their hand and play it Mm -hmm. and then just start ripping through spells um presumably many of the cards in your deck are going to be accelerants get you more men in your mana pool so that you can steal more cards um i mean my goodness when this if this card is your commander that's the thing right is that usually this kind of effect um I mean, I would I would call this very similar to to Mind Slavery, and then the only other one which we'll talk about is Emrakul, which is a thirteen mana commander. This is a five mana commander, yeah, um, and that's and, no joke. And and you said you know similar to Mind Slaver. I I mean, I don't see how it's all that different. Well, because the player gets to take their own turn. They do, but on your turn, yeah. they're not allowed to do anything. Right. You get to take stuff out of their hand. Yeah. You literally are taking resources away from them. So during their turn, they're working unless they've mind, got mind a slavery is even more brutal state. because with mind slavery oh, yeah. you can you have access to things that send triplets could never do like sacrificing their board to their own opponents. Okay. But this is yep, still brutal in its own way. There's a reason oh, it's sure. on here. Yeah, it's extremely powerful and it's it's it, it's not something I'm excited about. Um, yeah. As far as powerful cards, okay, so things that in Magic that are extremely powerful and mean. The ability to take somebody else's resources or limit their ability to use their resources. Right. Extremely powerful. Uh, Some of the other things that are extremely powerful are, if this hits the field, I'm probably going to be able to combo off this turn or next turn and eliminate all of you. And... I don't know. Do we want to start with Urza or do we want to start with Narset as far as the, the mean commanders here? I think Urza has more or less supplanted Narset. Um, yeah. 
So let's go ahead and start with with our friend Urza here. Urza, Lord High Artificer, uh, is just an all-star CDH commander. Two blue-blue for a legendary creature, human artificer, 1-4. When Urza ETBs, create a 0-0 colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature has plus one, plus one for each artifact you control. Mm -hmm. So it's always going to be 1-1 at least. Yep. Um, And then it also has... An activated ability, tap an untapped artifact you control to add blue. Uh, yeah, that's that's what turns this deck from nothing yeah. into something. Here's the problem it keeps going. Yep. For five mana, <laughs> shuffle your library, and then exile the top card until end of turn. You may play that card without paying its mana cost. So here we can see why Urza is so incredibly powerful. Because it sets him up. And it knocks them down. It both has the engine that generates you mana. Because we all know, Mike, how many zero and one mana artifacts there are in our format. Literally all of them, except for the Moxon, are legal in our format. <laughs> yeah. And all of those zero and one mana artifacts are now Moxon, which are banned. But Urza turns them into Moxon. Um, and then in addition to setting all that up as if that weren't enough, it also has the payoff where you can just pay five and and start casting spells off the top of your deck. I mean, I get that this is, you know, it's a mono blue creature with the ability to, you know, you tap artifacts and you add blue. The fact that this ability is just a five generic. Yeah, they didn't even make it five blue. No. And there's, there's, there's plenty of ways to reduce the mana cost of abilities on creatures. You don't have to. For this, you're going to. Yeah. You're just, okay, great zoom here we go and it just it it makes me so sad like urza urza hits the floor and so here's the thing vorniclex jingataxis they somebody's playing them they're higher mana but whatever my whole thing is ah if that comes down we have to have a plan or we have to be able to stop it right send triplets if that's played I know that somebody is going to have a terrible time, and depending on the deck, maybe everybody's going to have a terrible time. Yeah. Urza, when it's played, if it resolves, my entire time after that is just a, are you going to win this turn? Because I, it, 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 if it's going to take you 20 minutes to figure out if you're going to win this turn, I would rather just shuffle up and concede. I don't think that's going to be a problem. The kind of person who plays Urza is a competitive magic player or they think that this is a card that can play casually i've told you that i've sat across the table from somebody who claimed that they had a casual urza deck and i called bs on that uh but i played them anyway and turns out i was right there is no such thing as a casual (laughs) urza deck it's simply too powerful i mean i guess if you just didn't put any artifacts in the deck and you tried to make it awful sure but if you try to make it synergistic in any way we already know how synergistic artifacts are. They're easy to cast. They work well with yeah. each other. And a lot of them produce mana and have other great effects. Um, Urza just makes all artifacts a million times stronger. Mm-hmm. We've talked yeah, about Urza... uh, we talked about Inspiring Statuary. What a great mm-hmm. card that is. Fantastic yeah. card. This is even better than Inspiring Statuary. And it also has a bunch yeah. of other fun stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's just all of the good. Hooray, artifacts, except for not. Well, let's let's not 
drag him too far in the dirt. Let's move on. No, here. no, he's he's a very important person in Magic's history. I'm just very bummed out that he is both very important. Of course, he's going to have a very, powerful, very powerful, and very very mean powerful card. I get it. Well, uh, you asked if I wanted to do Urza in our set, so here's an our set inline master. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Narsen Lendmaster, uh, three, blue, red, white, for a legendary creature, human monk, three, two, with first strike and hexproof. Uh, right off the bat, if your commander has hexproof, it's in a league of its, its problematic. own. problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Because the most common way to deal with commanders that are a problem is spot removal or lock them down with an imprisoned in the moon or a or dark skin, sure. um mutation. Some other effect like that, lignify. Some uh, kind of target. Right. Nar- Narsa cannot be hit by any of that. She can only be removed yeah. through uh, board sweeper effects and mm-hmm. other things that don't target, which immediately makes her harder to hit. Yep. And she's in red, so it's easy to give her hits. But let's keep going. First strike and hexproof. Mm-hmm. Whenever Narsa attacks, exile the top four cards of your library until end of turn. You may cast non-creature cards exiled with Narsa this turn without paying their mana cost. So, I mean, I don't think there's a single, I don't, I don't know how popular she is these days, but if you've been playing over the past five years, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that you've never seen a Narsa deck and they mostly work the same way. That's extra combat, extra turns. And the fact of the matter is that more often than not, if Narsa swings in once and the deck is built correctly, the game's over because right. she's going to attack. She doesn't even have to land. She enters the battlefield, she has Hexproof, she has First Strike. So, she attacks, exile top cards off the top of your library, you're going to hit an extra turn spell, you cast it for free. Well, next turn you're going to attack again. Right. There's, if it happens once, the game is over. Yeah, it, it turns into a, do they whiff on their first attack kind of thing. Right. And and you're, you're just sitting here hoping. Ideally, you would and... construct your deck in such a way that that's very unlikely. Right. And that's the point. That's that's why this is on our list of mean cards, right. because it is when you're talking about there's not a real way to make an Urza like not competitive. Oh, there's a way to make a casual Narsa deck, but nobody would there, yeah. believe you. Right. And that's the point. It, it's unfortunately we've all been burned too far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've been burned already because um, I loved the idea of like, I just want to make a like. I want to make an Eldrazi Narset deck. Or I just want to make a big mana Narset okay, deck. Okay, big mana and Eldrazi sure. Narset are both still really threatening. They're not quite as oh, yeah. threatening as it turns Narset deck. And if you say, oh, don't worry, it's not extra turns, it's Eldrazi Tribal, I don't think anyone's sure. going to let you off the hook, Mike. Oh, no. But it, it, but can you imagine the fact that the words, oh, it's no, it's it's not an infinite Narset deck. It is an Eldrazi Narset deck. As upset as you would be still, there would still be a sigh of relief <laughs> In the in the very much, in the very much, I would still like, treat them right. as public enemy number one. Like, sure, I'm gonna be working the maybe, entire table to take them down. Maybe maybe my bounty's a little bit lower, but yeah, yeah. I'm still probably uh, wanted for crimes against uh, magic community. Right. So let's talk about another commander here. Sure, I want to talk about. I want to talk about my girl. Yeah, and she's on here, Emrakul, the Promised End. Sure, that's uh, a legendary creature, Eldrazi, thirteen mana for a thirteen thirteen. Uh, with Flying Trample and Pro Instance, when uh, Emrakul costs one generic mana less to cast for each card type amongst cards in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. So it can go down to uh, eight. Right there, seven card types. When you cast Emrakul, 
You gain control of target opponent during that player's next turn. After that turn, that player takes an extra turn. Um, We've had a deck tech. I have a deck, an Emrakul deck. It's nowhere near as mean as it could be. It's it's probably one of the nicest Emrakul decks you'll ever play against. That said, it still has Emrakul at the helm, and... I, it's I, one of the nicest Emrakul right. decks you could have. Like it's right. it, it's one of the nicest Narset decks you could possibly right. have. Well, that's it's, the thing is is my deck does not win quickly, and it doesn't no. lock out the game quickly. Now, obviously, she's going to make someone miserable sometimes, but mm-hmm. I'd like to think that in that case, that person probably deserved it. Sure. I, it, again, it, it's a group hug unless it needs to stop being friendly right. kind of deck. well let's let's stop talking about my Emrakul fun emerical group yeah. hug deck. let's let's <laughs> talk about why she's on here right the idea of taking control of another player um, we've talked about this during the during the deck tech but there are some truly truly nasty things that you can do if you have control of another player and the biggest one the one that people don't even believe until they see it is that you control the decisions of a commander's owner during commander uh, commands of replacement effects and things of that nature uh, more directly. If your commander goes to the graveyard and I'm controlling you, I can say she stays in the graveyard. If your commander goes to exile and I'm controlling you, I can say she stays in exile and then you're just never getting them back. And people don't believe that that's how it works. That is how it works. Hi, I'm Alex. I'm a magic judge and it is, going to work like that and uh frankly it's it's awful but if your commander's that mean maybe a narset then uh (laughs) what has to be done has to be done but that's not the only thing you can do you can cast spells for x equals zero you can counter magic their own spells you can use sack outlets to destroy their board you can crack fetch lands and tutors and find nothing like there's so many evil things you can do if you know just which angles to push when you're controlling another player and that's i think why emrakul's on here it's it is powerful it's just like we've talked about it uh enough times it still bears repeating Mm -hmm. it's extremely powerful it's a powerful effect it's a powerful card i mean it's also a 13 13 flying yeah it is a 13 mana which is which is pretty nice Um, but yeah, it does a ton of scary, terrible, terrible things. So let's, let's go away from that territory. Okay. You know what? We're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about the things that are extremely oppressive because they take away resources or control people or, uh, any of those things. Um, but we are going to talk about something mean and is one of the iconic commanders. How about Thrasios, Triton Hero? (laughs) Cause holy cow. Uh, so green blue for a one, three merfolk wizard. And has partner. The only ability on there is for four generic mana, you scry one, then reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped. Otherwise, draw a card. Yeah. People love having mana sinks. Yeah. And this is and not just a mana sink. This is No. This is a win condition. It is. This is on a two mana is, commander. It it's so easy. It is absolute CEDH level. It's in it gives you access arguably, to green and blue. Yep, arguably the best colors. It has partners, so if you want to put more colors in there, you can. And they always do. It is, and it's so easy. This, this is one of those decks that I wanted to make a Thrasios deck because I love value. 
I love getting lands. Right. I love having a lands deck. I love having a mana sink to where I'm never right. wasting any mana. All that good stuff. And then I got one. And I went, okay, well, what am I going to make with this? You're going to make a Simic value deck, and you're going to pop off whether you want to or not. Basically. And I went, you know what? This isn't as much fun as I was hoping it would be. Exactly. Like, it's, it is it is so powerful mm-hmm. and so oppressive without directly doing anything to beat people up. I You're think... not taking away. You are just giving yourself all of. And, oh man, it gets rough real fast. You could make the argument that this is the single most powerful commander in the format. That is a statement. Yeah, when you pair this with another powerful partner, like Timna the Weaver... Yep. Um, I mean, some of the strongest triple S tier CEDH decks are based off of that. And yep. it's so unassuming. It's a two mana merfolk that has a mana sink on it. But yeah. hey, look at that. That mana sink can draw your entire deck, ramp all your lands out yep. of the battlefield, yep. and give I you mean, even- green blue. Even just the ability for a creature that you don't tap that says four mana, scry one, draw a card. That would be awesome. That would still be good. So the, oh, if it's a land, just put it on the battlefield. Oh. Yeah. Gross. Like, I I have a, a, my, I don't know if it's my best deck, but I'd say it's close. My, my Damia lands deck. Right. Thrasio should go in it. It's not in there. Because yeah. if I play Thrasios, that's just kind of what the deck is going to do from that point forward. Mm-hmm. And woof, you it's, it's rough, it's mean, it's powerful. Oh, wait, I've, I've totally dropped the RP thing. And that's why I love it. I love Thrasios. Yeah, that, that he, didn't last He's very my long. Triton hero. <laughs> um, what are the commanders that we want to talk about here, Alex? Sure, Mike. And there's some interesting things on here, like a lot of Infect. Like, here's a card on here that I wouldn't. I guess it's not that I wouldn't expect it. It's that I'm kind of surprised by how fervent the apparent distaste is for Infect. I'm talking about Skithrix, the Blight Dragon. Yeah. Uh, for three black black. Uh, she's a legendary creature, Dragon Skeleton, 4-4 four, four, with Flying and Infect. And she has two activated abilities. The first is for a black Skithrix, the Blight Dragon, gains haste until end of turn. And for black black, regenerate Skithrix. Um, I mean, this is just a, it's a quintessential Infect commander. Yeah. Infect is good at what she does. The the thing about Infect that you have to appreciate is that, yes, it's probably going to kill someone decently quickly, but they're probably not going to win the game. Mm -hmm. And they're also drawing a lot of heat, but Scythrix is not a combo commander like Thrasios or Urza is. And Skithrix isn't a stacks commander. So there's very limited ability from Skithrix herself to Mm -hmm. deal with the amount of heat that's going to be coming due to playing this creature. But at the same time, Mike, why do people hate Infect so much? It's just combat. Combat is the most fair way to win. Mm -hmm. I think it's the most straightforward way to win is it just because infect turns combat into a viable option that you can actually attempt to win a game of commander with in theory 
Like, why well, why is she on here? Well, she's uh, she's on here because we're looking at the salt score and the idea of a infect creature that you can give haste with some evasion and can come back. Like, I get it. Sure. Um, I So I get it as far as the salt. Why do people hate infect? I think because when you're talking about, like, and I don't, and I'm actually one of those people that doesn't. Because uh, I think if you're, it, it's almost like playing with your own win condition. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. have an infect deck, but I mean, if you're playing different variants, if you're playing different types of decks, I don't know why infect is any worse than, you know. I think any the other. the biggest threat with infect is is just that, right? That one person will be removed from the game, lose due to having ten poison counters, and that yep. that would happen early. But since most infect decks can't really seal the deal extremely fast mm-hmm. unless they're just built at like an absurdly competitive level. And in fact, sure. isn't even played in, in CDH as far as I'm aware. Um, it seems to me like the biggest risk, the biggest feels bad situation would be knocking somebody out and then they can't finish the game. Right. Or they right. can't, they can't then win quite quickly right. after that. So now you have the situation where one player is is just sat out we talked about this in our first episode that just doesn't feel good right you knock somebody out at the beginning of the game the game goes on for another 45 minutes i mean what do you find a different pod like you read a magazine what do you what do you do (laughs) and i get that as far as infect for the saltiness the i think with infect my least favorite thing to get gotcha'd by believe it or not i'm pretty sure is combat tricks because everything else that can happen to me, I'm like, oh, man, like, how am I supposed to see that coming? That doesn't feel good. And I see that more with Infect decks than I do with a lot of other ones. Okay, but if it's an Infect deck, that... then you know that they're yeah. going to kill you with Infect. Right. So you're and like, oh, it's just a 1-1 one, one that I'm not blocking. Yeah. Like, okay, well, now yeah. it's a 5-5. Five, five. Absolutely. And I and I totally get that. And that's where I think the saltiness, saltiness comes from. I don't think that Infect is... It can be powerful. You're you're right. It has to be with a lot of synergy. Like yeah. I don't see a whole lot of decks that win because they do infect or something else or something else or something else. Like if the no, deck is going to win through infect, yeah. you pretty much have to lean it's, into it. Right. Which it's is, like mill. Yeah. Like with with yeah. infects and with mill, the people that you're attacking are no more hampered until. They're dead. It's the same with direct right. life attack, right? And if somebody's at one life or at nine poison counters or at five cards in their library, right, they're still able to hurt you. So yeah. it's it's an all or nothing strategy. It's very risky. Like, let me ask you this. Would you rather lose would you rather lose to a deck that has infect as the theme? Mm-hmm. Or would you rather lose to a Niv Mizzet deck that somebody puts grafted exoskeleton into? And it's like, oh, well, now he's going to do infect damage, and I'm going to kill you that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd much rather lose to the former. Grafted Exoskeleton isn't even the meanest thing that Nimbizit can do. No. And that's what I'm saying. Like, there's... Infect doesn't bother me. Right. Because it's just its own thing. It's just its own thing. Uh, so, let's go on to another ridiculously... You know, I, I'm figuring out that the, the most powerful cards that you can play... Yeah, Salt is absolutely included but it's just exactly how much synergy is on the card by itself 
And when you're talking about a card with a lot of synergy, let's talk about Tulane Teller of Tales. Yeah. Uh, two generic green, white, blue for a legendary creature, human druid, 2-4 with vigilance. Just because, I guess. Because the real things that you care about with Tulane are whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card. Then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. And for three generic and tapping Tulane, you can return target creature you control to its owner's hand. What are the most powerful things that you can do in Magic? Ramp and draw cards. Well, here's something that cares about doing all of that whenever you cast a creature, which is something that's pretty easy to do in the game when you're three different colors and you just want to pay... You want to just play as many cheap creatures as you possibly can. Go through half your deck, sometimes more, if you've got the right cards out. I... I... This is another one of those, Oh, this seems fun! And then I, I I I started to take it apart to build and went oh no yeah. this is broken this is broken it's uh, anecdotally I've I played against some truly decks but I remember I played against one that I remember the the magic player said that they had just thrown it together and mm-hmm. that was true they had just thrown it together this wasn't like oh this is just not that powerful of a Chelan deck, but secretly right. it really is, and I'm tricking you. No, it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. They had really just thrown it together. Um, here's the problem. Doesn't matter. When you have a Chelan deck, if yep. there are creatures in it, I mean, oh my god, did they pop off so fast. Yeah. The you... the raw value on this card, and Mike, you wonder why Vigilance, let's cast Vigilance, it's because they felt the need to add white and make this a bad creature. Um, I guess. <laughs> you could just take off the Vigilance and look at that. It's another generic Cynic value commander. How about that? Yeah. Um, I was going to say, that's yeah. literally what you were talking about, uh, you know, generic Cynic value. Yeah. Just Cynic good stuff. It's like... Tulane's a Cynic commander with Vigilance. That's that's about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's... Oh, my gosh. It It is oppressive to take away resources. What may be worse is to just give yourself more resources and value than anybody, including the other three players at the table combined can deal mm-hmm. with. Another one of those commanders were, okay, if I get a turn where I have this commander out, I'm probably going to win the game. Just let's let's go extra value, whether it's get all of the creatures out, give them haste and swing in the same turn, whether it's something like Aetherflux Reservoir and you basically storm off mm-hmm. and just blast everybody. It's one of those cards that... I don't, it came in the Brawl decks, so it also came with Corvold, who's probably worth talking about in its own right, but I want to focus on the list that we've got here. The insane swings on, here's a commander that we're going to put out here, and it is busted, versus sometimes some of the stuff that they'll do, and they're like, hey, we made a commander with this cool idea, and it's like, no, I I appreciate you trying, but that's junk. The, right. the power diversity in our format with the access to almost every card in existence, whew, this this one still stands very strong and very recently. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm just uh, confirmation bias, Mike, but green and blue, Simic, so right. strong. They get so many excellent, just way over the top cards. Um, and this is just another example of that. But let's talk about uh, one last commander, right? I don't think sure. this list would be complete without 
the old queen, right? Atraxa, Praetor's voice. <laughs> sure. Uh, this card has kind of fallen out of favor, but it wasn't even that long ago that she was handily the top commander. It wasn't even oh, close. Yeah. Um, Golos has more or less supplanted her at this point, but Atraxa is a green, white, blue, black for a legendary creature, Angel Horror. 4-4 four, four with, say it with me, Flying, Vigilance, Death Touch, <laughs> Lifelink, at the beginning of your end step, proliferate. Uh, keyword soup, eat your heart out. This is... Yep. Have you ever seen this much value on a four-mana creature? Of course you have. It's Atraxa. Right. <laughs> it's... And the thing is, that makes it like as powerful as it is. When you're a four-mana commander that's a 4-4 four, four, that has keyword soup on it, you can go a bunch of different ways, but none of them are bad. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a very powerful card because, yeah, Atraxa, it could be the plus one, plus one counters deck. Yep. It can be the, uh, it can be, I, I mean, it can be a life deck if you really be want it to be. Minus it one, be, minus one counters deck. It yep, can be it can infect be It can be angel it, tribal, horror tribal. It can, it can be literally anything but red. It's deck is basically one all of that you can't do. single with it. most versatile commanders. She can. What does she have? Like eight to ten archetypes. She's the best at all of them. Probably. Probably. I, I, yeah. As far as an infect commander, I don't know that there's a ton more that I I would even put. I mean, there are other infect commanders, but none of them have four colors and proliferate. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know that there's. Like, I think she's Texas a scarier Infect Commander than Scythrix is. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking about a 4-4 Death Touch lifelink flying creature that makes Infect worse versus a creature that has Infect on it but is in one color and can't do all the other stuff. Right. No, Atraxa uh, was Queen. I think it's it's Golos now, right? It is Golos, Golos now, is yeah. Golos is the highest. Okay. So, but, I mean, like, even then, and again... Golos is a Golos is scary thing. It's, it's generic yeah. value. Just yep. put in a bunch of mana, get out a bunch of value. Um, Atrax is very similar way. She's she doesn't lend herself to any specific strategy, but rather mm-hmm. she is dominion over a large variety of counter based strategies. These are the mean commanders we're talking about today. These are the ones that if you want to play with power. I mean, I, I I think you're pretty much gravitating towards cards like this mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. So how about we talk about some cards that we would put into the 99 right after we come back from this break? All right. All right, Alex. We talked about some of the uh, lead singers when we're talking about power, when we're talking about mean. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the 99, some of the cards that these card, uh, these uh, commanders are trying to bring out. And uh, either whether it's just through sheer efficiency or because it's just miserable what are some of the 99 that we want to look into yeah mike um i mean it's pretty obvious what's at the top of the list here and that's uh the hyper efficient stacks pieces in stasis Mm -hmm. winter orb and static orb yep um all of which are preventing that player from untapping their permanence and holy moly i mean stasis and winter orb are both right here at the top they're both two mana they both prevent players from untapping their land stasis prevents them from untapping anything and 
I mean, what is there to say? If these hit the table, I think everybody just immediately stops having fun. Well, except for the everybody players. but one yeah, person. Exactly. Yeah. Are they even having fun, though? I mean, if they put them in there and they're doing the thing, unless it's the first time that they're playing with it and they go, oh, no, what have I created? Like, it's it's a, uh, you know, Tony Stark Voltron kind of thing. Sure. I Unless it's that, I'm pretty sure that they're... They're not cards that you include unless you mean to use them. Right. Right. These are all competitive level stacks pieces. Yeah. CDH decks and will run these and they do it to lock the game out as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you didn't even talk about the one. It's it, Static Warp. Yeah, it's one mana more. Yeah. But it's the one that actually probably bothers me the most because it's the easiest one to manipulate. Right. Because, it, okay, great. I'm just going to tap it. Before it gets to my turn, and I'll be fine. And then I'll untap it for everybody else's turn, and it'll be miserable. Ta-da! It's so rough, and I don't don't like it. I don't like it. Well, you have to... Winter Orb's the same way, Mike. Winter Orb is, uh, is a old artifact, so this text isn't on the original card. But Winter Orb also says as long as it's untapped, players can't untap more than one land. So you can do tap and untap shenanigans with Winter Orb as well as with Static Orb. I was unaware that I hated that card even more than I realized that I hated it. Yeah. Cool. 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 Love love our power episode. This is going great. Let's talk about more powerful things okay. that are super fun and awesome, like Cyclonic Rift. Like Cyclonic Rift. Yeah. Cyclonic it's Rift. the best card in the format. Is it the most controversial card in the format? Uh, what do you mean by You mean that some people hate it and some people love it or that some people want to ban it and some people don't want to ban it? What do you mean? Yes, that this is the card that has the most feelings on it. Like the, like whether people love it or hate it, whether people think that it should be banned or not. I think, I think this one, this is the card that gets the most amount of a response out of people. Right. If you were to like, what is your favorite card? There's a chance people are going to say that. If you ask people what their least favorite card is, a lot of them are going to. Well, I wouldn't want to meet the person who says that Psych Rift is their favorite card. I, the problem is, if you're talking about somebody who's wanting to play with power, uh-huh. I don't know that there's more powerful cards than Cyclonic Rift yeah. as far as just so let's, finishing. <laughs> I know that there's not a single person listening who doesn't know what Cyclonic Rift is, but let's read it anyway. Yeah. Cyclonic Rift, one in a sure. blue for an instant, return, target, non-land permanent, you don't control to its owner's hand. And of course, it has overload for six in a blue, which would mean that you'll return each non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. Um, Mike, what's truly astonishing is just how ubiquitous this card is. It's not just that there are a lot of feelings about it. This is probably the single most popular card on the salt list that we have. It's in 38% of all blue decks. I hate it. Blue plus. I hate it. 38%. A card See, can't get was, much more ubiquitous than that. But that's what I was saying as far as when you when you mentioned it's like I don't know if I if there'd be a lot of people that say Cyclonic Rift is their favorite card. I mean it's in nearly forty percent of decks that it can yeah, be. I mean I run it. People it's like cracked. it. It's in my stack stack. It's incredibly powerful. It's unfortunately, depending on the type of meta that you're in, it's kind of just accepted. Sure. Even though it's arguably the most powerful card in the format. Let's talk about some of the reasons why, real quick, that this is so powerful. Yeah. So number one, 
is then it's an instant, right? Very few board wipes are at instant speed. Almost all of them are mm-hmm. at sorcery speed. And the few that are at instant tend to be uh, more expensive or have some downsides like that. Uh, but this is, an, this is an instant, so that means it can be cast uh, on another player's turn and most mm-hmm. often on the end step of the player right before you, right? That's when you could cast mm-hmm. this. You can hold seven men up for that. But number two is that it's asymmetric, Mike. This is not your typical board wipe. Most no. board wipes are going to hit the whole table, and the parity break happens in that you're putting up that board wipe either because somebody else is too much of an advantage or because the board wipe does not hit the types of permanents that you care about retaining. Um, mm-hmm. This just kind of goes right around that and says, no, it's it's just not going to touch anything. <laughs> you're fine. Yeah, you're good. Everyone right. else is There's sad. another spell like this in Garruk's Wake. That's way more mana, and it's a sorcery. Uh, nobody really thinks about that card. Well, isn't isn't Ingaruk's Wake just creatures and planeswalkers too? Yeah, it's not even all like, permanents. Yeah, you it's know. not even all of the stuff that, right. that Cyclonic is hitting. So it's it's, it's just a fair yeah. version of Psychrift, really. Right, which is still oppressive if right. it hits the floor. Right. But like, eh, Psychrift. Yeah. It, utterly ubiquitous. And the last thing that I wanted to, to mention here is that, gosh, Mike, what color would you most strongly associate with wraths and board wipes? Well, wraths and and wiping the board. Yeah. I'm 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 looking more white black, but it's particular white. Right, exactly. The the only reason that they even can like, I get it. It's You're bouncing right. It's not that it's bouncing. Like, that's it, that's come fine. On. Right. Mass bounce <laughs> is indeed in blues wheelhouse. That said. This is better than any other board wipe in the game. In my opinion, this yeah. is the finest board wipe in the entire game of Commander. It's probably the strongest spell in the entire game of Commander, at least in the casual side. Um, and it's blue, Mike. It's not a white yeah. spell. It's not a black spell. It's a blue nope. spell. The strongest board wipe in the format is blue. Imagine if the strongest ramp spell in the format was red black black <laughs> red, red. It's a, anything but green right. people would be confused yeah, the strongest card draw spell was was white like what no yeah. that's that's i not can't wait this... for uh i can't wait for a couple sets from now when they they make a white card that's just a one mana white that says go find two basic lands and put them on the battlefield tap and everybody's just gonna they're, lose their they're not mind ever, ever i know that's... but man it would be it would be fun for me to see them release that as a thought experiment right. what's the best whiteboard wipe in the game probably it depends because here's the thing with like when you say best white board wipe Mm -hmm. i and you know i go oh well austere command is good because you can do a bunch of different types of board wipe you can be selective with it Uh, you can go wrath of god and it you know it's cheaper and it gets rid of all creatures that's great the point is is that there's no there's no upwelling of people trying to get those cards gone. Well, there's no one whiteboard wipe that truly rises above all the rest. You're right. There is austere right. command, and that's phenomenal. That said, it's a sorcery. Yep. There's Wrath of God, but it's also a sorcery. There's yep. a bunch of whiteboard wipes. They're all sorceries. There's one, right? There's Route. And you can mm-hmm. you can spend some extra mana to make that an instant. That's about it. 
Yeah. And the other part with that is we're in a game where even though the commander is one of the things that makes it unique, like having access to this creature at all times, mm-hmm. the more cards that come out and the more archetypes that there are, the less that I think having awesome creatures matters for making a good deck. Mm-hmm. Cause there's so many different ways that you can go. You can run Urza without running any, any kind of creatures whatsoever. Of course. You can just make it artifacts and whatever. Of course. So what does Urza care if you wipe the board? Uh, it, what what does Urza care if you do a Wrath of God? You know, right. like it, it's stuff like that. So something like Cyclonic Rift, and I, I promise we'll get off this pulpit right, right, right quick. <laughs> Cyclonic Rift is so busted, so powerful, and unfortunately, it's like you said, it's thirty eight percent of uh, blue decks, thirty eight percent that can hold it. So it's a staple, and I, I like I get it. It's yep. <laughs> Uh, what do we want to move on to next here, Alex? Sure, Mike. Uh, what are some What are some mean and powerful cards? Mean and powerful cards. Well, how about this one that kind of uh, shows people's distaste for mm-hmm. uh, at least one of the, the formats that we love, but really most of them. I mean, there are a lot of people who don't like Rupug. They don't like Stacks. And sure. they don't like the archetype that this card represents, which is Warp World. Uh, the Chaos Archetype. Warp World sure. for five triple red, eight mana for a sorcery. Each player shuffles all permanents they own into their library, then reveals that many cards from the top of their library. Each player puts all artifact, creature, and land cards revealed this way onto the battlefield, and then does the same for enchantment cards, and then puts the rest onto uh, onto the bottom of their library. So mm-hmm. there are a bunch of cards like this. This definitely isn't the only one. We got Scrambleverse and uh, and Thieves Auction. Lots of cards like right. this. The high mana red spells that basically musical chairs for the entire board, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this isn't really lashing out at Warp World specifically so much as it is lashing out at, at Chaos, the archetype. So talk mm-hmm. to me about that, Mike. So I, we've, we've had some conversations about Chaos as far as it can be fun. It can be something interesting to introduce into the game. It can also go completely the opposite direction. Where if it's just chaos for chaos's sake, and it's not confirmed at the beginning of the game, hey, this is my chaos deck. It might win. I don't know. It's it's here to do weird stuff. It can it can make people very angry. Um, more importantly, if it's there just to make people miserable. Chaos is worse. It, I, I chaos for making people upset is something that gives me a worse taste in my mouth than uh, stacks because I just can't stand it. At least with stacks, I'm bored playing against a stack stack, but I know that they're doing it with intent to win. A chaos deck that is just doing stuff and just moving stuff around because is the worst thing in the world to me in our format <laughs> that said sometimes you can do really cool stuff with chaos and I, I i like i like it more times than i don't mm-hmm. i don't know that there's a lot of people if there was somebody who was going to play chaos just for the sake of me you know like oh i'm gonna play chaos and just make people miserable i don't know why you wouldn't play stacks instead because there's efficient ways of doing that right yeah i mean uh just like 
group hug and just like stacks. There are there are ways that you can construct these decks to just make people not have a good time. Um, yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about another extremely disliked card that mm-hmm. maybe isn't super powerful, but its opportunity cost is extremely low. Uh, the Tabernacle at Pendrel Vale. It's the only low cost about it. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> it's gone for about $3,000. Um, it's a legendary land. Yeah. It's a legendary land with all creatures have at the beginning of your upkeep. Destroy this creature unless you pay one. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really all there is to say about that. This is utterly and completely devastating against creature decks and the more creatures you run the more devastating it becomes um and the opportunity cost for inclusion is extremely low because it's a land granted it's a spell land so it does take up a spell slot but Mm -hmm. i mean it's very difficult to to remove lands not many people are running that much land removal in their decks and this is just very difficult to stop but that's not all there is to say about that um, because the Tabernacle at Pendrel Vale used to be even worse, right? In how's that in competitive play at the tournament level? There's this idea of missing triggers, right? You need to make sure that you keep your board state in order and that you're playing by the rules at all times, and that okay. you don't miss anything because think about this what would the over under be let's say that you you have a a mind for cheating because that's that's always what we as judges want to put ourselves in the mindset of what is the opportunity what's the risk and what's the reward for a player if they were intending to cheat right and the way that tabernacle of pendreville used to function with respect to Miss Triggers, is that because, uh, let's say that, Mike, you're running this card and I'm your opponent. Yeah, but, uh, hold on, let me get back into the RP. Okay. Mean, okay, yeah, I pl- go for it, Alex, what up? Okay, so you've played this card. <laughs> it's now my turn. It's the beginning of my upkeep. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of triggers that go on the stack. Yep. Previously, the way that this worked is because they were technically my triggers because my creatures had that ability mm-hmm. if i neglected to pay the one for them or sacrifice them failing that then those were missed triggers and multiple missed triggers can result in further penalization including game loss um but huh. what's really bad about that is that the onus was on me even though I hadn't yeah. even played that card. So that's, again, I, I must repeat, this is not how it currently works. They have, the, the uh, DCI has found their sanity and several years ago they <laughs> made the change such that uh, the owner of Tabernacle of Pendreville, uh and other effects like this is responsible for uh, reminding the player of, of these triggers. And of course they will because they're very good, but it... The way that it previously worked, that like somebody could just have a land that had a continuous effect that generated many triggers, and it was in its controller's best interest to not say anything, 
and just let you skip 20 triggers because maybe you forgot, but maybe you were cheating. And, the, and what I was talking about earlier was that if I was intending to cheat, um, one of the easiest ways to do that would be by pretending that I forgot that I need to sacrifice all my creatures. Um, but that's not how most people play. Most people don't cheat. And so we have the situation where if you play this card, you're suddenly putting this massive onus of remembering these triggers and you're in huge trouble if you forget. And even if you remember, you're still screwed. So So that was a very long roundabout story. And I apologize for that, but no, um, no, because it's, it's a good way of looking into the intent of, well, first of all, I, I, the, the thing that you started with is something that surprised me where you're talking about, you know, as a judge, the mindset that you're looking for, uh, looking from is one of, if somebody was going to cheat, yes. how would they do so? And when you said that, I got a little sad, like, I, cause I get why that has to be a mindset for how you learn the rules. This is for tournament level why... play. This is not for sitting yeah. down at the commander table. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, I get where it comes from. And then I also like the the insight as far as a, well, this is how this used to work. Mm-hmm. So that's why they changed it. Yeah. Because the way this could work, good or bad, it was just not the way that the game is intended to be played. Mm-hmm. So I I appreciate that history lesson, actually. Oh, sure. So if There's for everybody who... Yeah, I was going to say, for everybody who's like, oh my gosh, thank you for apologizing. I, you know what? I'm taking the apology back from Alex because no, Uh-oh. this is important stuff. And this is, I guess I'm being mean about not being mean, right. which frankly, you know what? That's probably a, that's, that's the alternate name for our, our podcast here. <laughs> being mean about not being mean. Um, what else do we want to talk about here? Because sure. Tabernacle is, it's, it's busted. Let's be real. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, we're talking about mean cards, right? I mean, obviously, I'm, we're not going to go through all of them, but mm-hmm. all of the land destruction cards. Yeah, yeah that one. Those those are all yeah. brutal. I think they're everybody, all in their same list. Yeah. yeah, we all agree. Cool. We've acknowledged it. The elephant in the room has been addressed. Well, let's. What do we want to talk about next? <laughs> let's talk about what is possibly the nastiest, most brutal, awful stacks piece in the black color okay and that's nether void yeah. yeah there's also the abyss they're basically the same card um right it's a world enchantment which means that only one of these can exist in the battlefield at once but it says whenever a player casts a spell counter it unless that player plays three mana um oh my god talk about just awful just truly truly awful think about like how <laughs> hard that it's like putting a weighted blanket over the entire game it's a chilling effect everyone's like oh my god like okay if i want to spot remove this with a you know two mana spot removal now it's five mana um right. i literally can't play any of my spells <laughs> it's just truly it's just completely brutal. Like, I can't even... When you play this, you have to realize that the game just... It comes to a screeching halt 
Mm-hmm. Everybody is just going to glare at you. Why did you play that, Mike? Why would you do this? Also, how did you afford it? Because it's $1,000 easily. Yeah. It, it's one of the other things I'm noticing. There's not exactly a whole lot of like hyper expensive cards that are super, super cool and fun. Like, <laughs> most of they're, they're usually like well, most, the hyper expensive most of the hyper expensive cards are, are the are the competitive level cards right they're yeah. the cards from uh from very old sets early in magic's history that have stood the test of time and remain extremely powerful and mm-hmm. haven't been reprinted because why would you ever do that that's just encouraging them right right and and you know what i at, at, you know enchant world okay so at least it's not opponents right if that's the nicest thing I can say about a card, where it's like, don't worry, it's symmetrical. Everybody's miserable, except for me because I knew it was coming, so I played, you know, I built the deck to be able to not worry about this kind of stuff. But, holy cow, Nether Void is ridiculous. I hate it. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about another one uh, that is not expensive. And uh, very, very oppressive. Another one of those, if it if it's played, there is a good chance that the next card being played after it is going to lose everybody the game. Um, let's talk about Narset, Parter of Veil. That's so funny. I knew you were going there. Yeah. You know what? The sad thing is, is as I was saying that, there were two different cards that I was looking at after I gave that description. Of, <laughs> let's talk about another card where the next one that's played might be the worst thing and loses everybody the game. Yeah. Uh, but Narset... Uh, is a five mana, or sorry, a five loyalty planeswalker for one generic blue blue. Uh, with the static ability, each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn, and a minus two ability that says that you can look among the top couple of cards, uh, top four. It doesn't matter. That's not the reason that you're playing Narset. Yeah. You're playing Narset because each opponent can't draw more than one card per turn. It's really brutal. Is I mean, it's it's what's the phrase wheelie wheelie good where okay great uh narset windfall does anybody want to keep playing yeah you know what's funny mike is uh i think this card almost kind of has been supplanted but since this survey is uh a good year old at this point it, mm-hmm. it hasn't had the opportunity to, to show up yet right and we're thinking a whole breacher yeah um, that's basically it's kind of better than this really yeah Getting treasures for him instead. Yeah. So rough. So like, rough. These, the ability to take away the ability for other players to, again, get resources, I think it's is preventing the people from thing playing the do. game. Yeah. 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 I, I get it. it. It's mean. And unfortunately, mean works. It's a game. It's competitive. It's an advantage that you can get. And frankly, with something like, you know, Hull Breacher is at least a little bit more up there, but like Narset's a dollar card it's a dollar fifty yeah, it's an uncommon like, it, it will never yeah. not be cheap it's an uncommon i mean it's 10 years from now it's still going to be under ten dollars yep and it's the 10 years from now there's a good chance that it's still really really good yeah. or wheelie wheelie um or wheelie wheelie. let's let's talk about one that i haven't seen in a while but mm-hmm. i i know that the flavor text is so incredibly appropriate Sure. And that flavor text is Have you ever seen a world fall to its knees? Watch and learn. Void Winnower is a 9 mana 11 oh, yeah. 9 Eldrazi with your opponents can't cast spells with even converted mana costs, even mana value. And your opponents can't block with creatures with even mana value. 
Um, yep. Hmm. Void Winterer says you can't even, which you, is you can't still even. one of my favorite. Yeah. It's still one of my favorite catchphrases. It's, that's a, a fun joke. The card is not fun. Fun joke, though. No, no, the um, card is terrible. The The reason <laughs> that I have great distaste for it is probably not the same that many people do, but um, this is definitely worth talking about, and that's that mm-hmm. because zero is even, and yeah. any tokens you create that are not copies of other permanents or spells don't have a meta cost, so their meta value is zero. Zero. Which means that all of my tokens can't block, which leaves me completely open to basically just lose. Yeah. No, it's crazy. But beyond that, there are... There's a decent chance... Because just for the fact that zero is even, you've got mm-hmm. zero, two, four, six, and eight, really. There's not too many spells that are more than eight. Just by virtue of that, I think you've better than even odds that more than half of your spells can't be cast as long as it's on the field. Yeah. You're you're eliminating about fifty percent of all spells, sometimes more. All of your best you- mana rocks, right? There too. Yep. Yep. You are eliminating the ability for half of the creatures on the field to be able to block. It's Woodwinner is is extremely strong. It is I I mean also it I again it's a very good flavor text. It's a very good joke. I love that everything else about the card itself is all odd. It's a nine mana spell. It is an eleven nine. It's like, okay, great. I mean like congratulations for being on theme. But how is this a nine? How is this an eleven nine card that does some of those powerful stuff? That's it's just, the thing is is nuts. it's unless you're very quick with your thinking, and, and I'm not one of those people. That it's very <laughs> hard to form a coherent strategy in response to Void Winterer that doesn't involve removing it, right? Yeah, because a lot of your value engines, a lot of your combo pieces, well. They've just had the bottom fall out of them. And the problem isn't that you can't cast spells. It's that you could cast spells if you could just figure it out. But, oh my god, good luck. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, always a mind bender. It changes the mental gymnastics that you're juggling. It's like chaos. It's like chaos yeah. a lot. Yep. It is one more like piece. If, but if here's, here's the worst part about it. It's opponents. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, you're making it's the game asymmetric. harder for everybody else. And you're fine yeah. if you're casting this. This gross. I don't see it very often, but when it hits the field, everyone's in for a miserable time. Sure. Okay, so Alex, I want us to I want us to end with one card each. Here. Okay. And here's what I want to do. I want each of us to pick a card that is extremely powerful, is on this list, mm-hmm. but is something that we run. Okay. Because I know which one I'm going to pick, and I'm pretty sure I know which one you're going to pick. Okay. I have it. Okay. What do you got, Alex? Guy's Cradle. Okay. Guy's Cradle, uh, we all know it, Legendary Land, with tap, add green to your mana pool for each creature you control. It's Mm -hmm. a token player's dream. This This is the quintessential green land. You can't even fathom just how much dumb amounts of value that this generates i 
it's just so much fun for me to tap this land, count the number of creatures I have, and add that much mana. And often do it twice because green can untap lands like there's no tomorrow. Sure. So the right. the raw amount of value contained on this land is absurd. Obviously, yeah. it's overpowered. It is way, even for the cycle that it was in, it's the most powerful one. But it's green, yeah. so what are we even talking about, right? Uh, but right, I love right. it. I Dude. run it. And I run a gold border coffee, mind you. Uh, not in a, which is a thousand dollars right now. The gold border coffee when I bought it was like fifty, sixty dollars. So still very expensive, oh, okay. but yeah. not even a tenth of the price. <laughs> you know, it's like it's 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 fifty, sixty dollars back in the day. Right. You know, like a really, really cool alternate art Urborg is right now. <laughs> as, as we're actually recording yeah, what is... this. What is the gold border going for right now? Because this one's going for almost a thousand. Yeah, the the gold border is going for almost two hundred. Yeah. That's incredible. These are proxies. Hey. The gold borders are proxies. This is a yeah. two hundred dollar proxy, Mike. Hey, really good job on your uh, your investment there, buying when you did. I'm not selling it. <laughs> this this has been your magic stock watch for about four. Seconds. Yeah, unlike let's uh, never do that again. Unlike investors. It doesn't matter to me whether my the value of my collection goes up or goes down. What I care about, and this is not like, well, I'm better than you. No, I care about other people being able to play the game. And if that yep. means that they reprint guys, which they won't because it's a reserveless card. But if they reprinted guys' cradle, if they reprint all the cards in my collection and make them crater in value, as long as that means that more people can play this wonderful game, that's fine by me. However, I they're not going to, and this card has exploded in price. Um, <laughs> what? Only a couple of years ago, it was three hundred dollars, and now it's a thousand. Anyway, Mike, tell me about your pick. So here's the thing: I actually feel pretty good, okay, because I'm looking at all of the cards on the EDHREC salt list, yeah, and I don't play a lot of them. Like, I, I think I've got, like, three total. The one I want to hit today, because, frankly, it, it makes me feel like a little bit of a bad person. But it is my win con um, in my lands deck. Or at least it's one of them. Sunder is a card that I was not aware that existed before we started doing this podcast. Hmm. And, holy cow... It is now a card that I put into my lands deck because I decided that was going to be my, like, no, I want to win the game. Like, this is, this is, all right, we're all putting out our, our big heavy hitters. Great. This is a heavier hitter than my Sylvala uh, Explorer Return deck. This is, it's, it's just gross. Uh, Sunder is an instant, three generic, blue, blue, that says return all lands to owner's hands. And if you want to decimate a board the ability to be a lands deck that cares about landfall triggers that's all well and good but even stuff where you're just able to play multiple lands in a turn and hey everybody put all your lands back in your hands i'm going to put all of my lands back down because i've got whether it's something like manabon or you know from the recent strix having set uh jadzi oracle of arcavios but more importantly the backside uh, Journey to the Oracle, where I'm able to take all the lands in my hand, put them onto the battlefield, etc. Uh, the ability to play multiple lands in a turn through Azusa or any of these cards that say, 
do all of the things you can to get your lands onto the battlefield. The real problem with this card and why it's in that deck is it is an instant, so my timing on it can be as optimal as I want it to be. It is a card that I am going to get the most value of. And because it's an instant, it is something that I can recur from the graveyard pretty easily. Yeah. There's so many ways to get these things back. And the part of it that makes me feel bad, I have no problem with the, uh, you know, torrent of Hailfire, I'm, I'm going to do X is a billion kind of stuff to win the game. Right. Because it's like, all right, great. That wins the game. The problem with Sunder and why I am always teetering on it being removed from my decks, and by decks I mean just the one, is if I play this and then come to my turn and I put six lands onto the battlefield and then everybody else plays one, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to quit the game. That doesn't necessarily win the game. I might have just kneecapped everybody. But it doesn't win the game outright. Mm -hmm. And I think my problem with this card is because it is extremely powerful and extremely mean, but it doesn't necessarily win the game. Right. It just highly encourages me to win the game. I don't know if it's a card that I should include in this deck anymore. Well, you're right. It is extremely powerful. And it epitomizes just a perfect example for why we need lands deck hate and we don't have it the yeah. only lands hate that we have is confounding conundrum it's one under blue um but when people say that mass land destruction is lands deck hate you know i want to shake them that's not true lands yeah, it's, deck, it's everybody hate right lands, <laughs> it just also hurts them <laughs> not really though lands decks are in the best position to rebuild after having that's their a good point whether that's bouncing to hand and playing out multiple lands, whether that's destroying all lands and then the lands that can reanimate them from the graveyard, um, mm-hmm. or whether it's just there isn't even a land stack at the table and you're blowing up all the lands. Well, guess what? The green player who just incidentally has ramp spells is going to recover faster. It's just right. how it is. Lands in EDH are eminently powerful. Green is eminently powerful. And green land stacks, which is all of them, like make a land stack without green, they're going to be able to recover from anything that you do to their lands. Mm-hmm. I, my, my still biggest claim to fame in Magic has been the time that I won a game with an empty board after somebody cast Armageddon because I managed to have enough mana to cast Brought Back and get two lands back. It's like, okay, great. I'm in a Boros deck and this person just destroyed all the lands. And maybe I'll be able and and was able to win. And I, it felt great. And also went, man, I would not have played that out 99 times out of 100. Because when land destruction happens, mm-hmm. unless you have the answer in hand, you're probably just done. Um, I'd like to play it out on principle. And it's not sure. just because... I'm being petty and being like, oh, well, you have to show me you can win. No, I want them to know if they can win. I want to see their deck function and mm-hmm. win. Because it may well be that they're not trying to drag the game out by resetting everyone. 
And oh, sure. they simply don't understand how important it is to be able to close a game out. So in principle, I will play a game out even if I'm hard locked, even if all my lands are destroyed, even if my hand is destroyed, um, even if I'm chain being controlled, if I will say, let's play it out. I'm not right. I'm not going to concede. I haven't lost a game yet. And mm-hmm. sometimes that player will take so long to play it out and and you'll see just this look come over their face. They're so embarrassed, like, oh my God, I didn't realize it was like this because for every right. other situation, everyone just conceded. So they didn't appreciate that it actually is important to be able to properly win the game, to have actual win cons in their deck. And so that's mm-hmm. why I wouldn't concede to that kind of situation. Well, it's the same reason where it's like, I, I demonstrate the loop. Like, it, it's like, okay, let's, let's play it the, to a finality. Loop. Like, you, all right, yeah. you did the loop a thousand times. Let's see what happens next. I'm not yeah. going to make them play the whole loop like it's a loop. Like, yes, right. you do the loop. Yeah. Okay, you, you've, do, do you've done loop. it. 10, Show me. All right, you have 10 trillion mana. You've drawn mm-hmm. 10 trillion cards and you have 10 trillion life. Let's see what happens next. And sometimes yes. it takes them multiple turns to win. And they're like, oh, my God. Yeah. The infinite mana doesn't win you the game. Infinite life doesn't win you the game. Doing something with these resources and demonstrating the actual win wins you the game. Um, I, If I am in the right group, I will, I will go the same direction that you do. Where it is a, hey, if it's a group of people that I play with all the time and I'm not sure how they win, I'll be like, no, show me. I'll play it out. Cool. I'm here. Let's go. If I'm at an LGS and I'm playing with, you know, people that I don't see regularly or people that I don't know, that's usually where I'm going to be like, okay, you know what? You can have this because I don't even care. I just want to play another game and I don't want to wait anymore. If it's a situation where the rest of the table is on board. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I'm never going to just concede. And I'm definitely not going to scoop at instant speed as far as that kind of stuff. I am going to do the, like, okay, cool. I'm down to keep playing if everybody else is. How are you guys feeling? Right. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? And if we're going to continue, we're going to continue. Right. If not, fine. Uh, I think that, that it's, it's, it's a teachable yeah. moment, right? It's not about being oh, spiteful sure. or being like... Like no, you know, you're gonna have to earn it. It's it's about making people think about the consequence of doing what their deck is doing and making sure mm-hmm. that they understand that winning isn't just about forcing everyone else to concede. That's not a win condition. Yeah. If your win condition is everyone else quits, your deck doesn't have a real win con. Yep. And that's why we talk about mean cards. And that's why it was a pleasure to mostly talk about mean cards. And you know our current state, but every once in a while, pop into the. To the I, I'm gonna have to come up with a persona for that uh, for Mean Mike, uh, but either way, it was a pleasure. It's Thanks for listening, pleasure, everyone. Yeah. Alex, where can people find you on social? Uh, you can find me at Lapper Medic on Twitter, L A P P E R M E D I C, and you can talk to me, ask me rules, questions, DM me anything you'd like. You can also uh, email me privately at alex at edhrec.com. If you want to buy any of the cards we talked about. Which, frankly, no. But if you want to, that's fine. Uh, decks, boxes, sleeves, etc. You can support us by going to bit.ly slash EDH underscore social. If you want to talk to us about why these cards aren't as mean as we think that they are. Or maybe some of the cards that we talk about as being fun. Maybe they are mean. We have a Discord link in the show notes. Pop in. Talk to us about the different cards uh, that you like. Different types of archetypes that you want to see uh, more often. Or just... 
tell us about cool cards that maybe we're not talking it's very about intimate right now much. you can get in on the bottom floor yeah, yeah. We're, we're 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 having everybody join in the lobby let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby to, to have some ourselves snacks. some ginger taxius oh no oh gross he oh man we're gonna have to do an episode of what would be like the you know have you ever heard that question of like you know what pokemon would taste the best no i haven't heard that question but i presume there's like a chicken pokemon right i mean now probably i think when i heard it i was like 11 so it was like uh geodude it's like what no what no yeah well, see, dude, you said, when you said, let's go have ourselves some Jingataxias, Geodude was kind of the taste that I got in my mouth, but a little more I think Jingataxias is more metally. Yeah. 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 Well, first of all, the answer is probably Jigglypuff, but I'm not entirely I think Jigglypuff sure. is mostly air. Yeah. I, air, marshmallowy, and, you know, a little bit. You know what? Anything further on this is probably yeah, that's, a this, little okay. too disturbing. Yeah. So, uh,. Hope to talk to you next week, probably on a different topic and not eating Pokemon or Jinkatex. No, we're not going to talk about that. But either way, we'll talk to you soon.